Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Jewish Reaction, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union, right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Elliot Hagler. I'm the Associate Director of Yachad, and we have another exciting show for you today. Following up on last week, uh, when we spoke with um, Assemblyman Eisen about the upcoming OU convention, uh, this week we have another one of their distinguished panelists and speakers. We have Rabbi Yaakov Trump joining us, who's currently the Assistant Rabbi at the Young Israel of Lawrence Cedarhurst. Uh, back from my neck of the woods, and Rabbi Judah Isaacs, who's the Director of Community Engagement, who is in studio uh, with me, and Rabbi Trump is on the phone. Rabbi Trump, uh, welcome to the Jewish Reaction. Good morning. A pleasure to be with you. Uh, Rabbi Trump, talk a little bit about what you're currently doing and how you got into your role uh, at the Young Israel of Lawrence Cedarhurst, one of the largest Young Israels, I would imagine, in the country. Yes, absolutely. So it's, uh, it's been a long journey, but... Um, Currently, I uh, have had the privilege of serving for a year and a half at the Angus Revolution in Cedarhurst as the assistant rabbi. And um, I also currently work as well at YU in student advising, working in administration at um, the Undergraduate Studies Division. And so I try to keep very busy, but it's been a little bit of a journey because um, previous to now, I shared an experience of being a little bit of time in Chicago at the YU Cornell, very much connected to YU, spent two wonderful years there engaging in the community, building relationships, learning, and also teaching. And um, so this is really now even further into the field, having an opportunity to build, build, grow, teach, and learn from the people. Uh, well, ju- just judging from, uh, it sounds like you have a little bit of an accent. You're not exactly from around these parts. Southern Brooklyn, to be the first. <laughs> Where you grew up in yeah. Johannesburg in South Africa, correct? That's what that's what that's what they say, exactly. So you had a but you had a long journey coming to New York, right? Starting in South Africa, you went to Yeshiva in Israel, then you went to Nair Israel in Baltimore, to YU to Chicago, and now back to the five towns. Exactly. Getting to see all the Jewish spots in the world. Uh, so you just haven't there. gotten out to the West Coast yet? Well, I actually did visit a few times. No, not, not officially yet. We're still, we're still hanging on to the East Shore right now. Well, it's great, great to have you on, on the Jewish Reaction. Rabbi Judah Isaacs is the Director of the Community Engagement Department at the OU, at the Orthodox Union. Rabbi Isaacs, welcome to the Jewish Reaction. Thank you, Eli. So let's talk a little bit about this upcoming uh, OU convention. It happens every other year. Uh, and what's the real purpose and goal of the upcoming convention? The real purpose of the convention is that we can bring together Orthodox Jews from all different stripes and backgrounds to come together to talk about issues that are facing the American Jewish community, actually the global Jewish community, and it's an opportunity in an informal kind of way to talk and network among people from different communities and also to learn about what issues are happening, and we're very excited that a very big part of the convention is also intensive Torah study, and Rabbi Trump is part of that all-star lineup that we put together so that people can really engage in some serious study in addition to dealing with some of the issues that are pretty heavy that we're dealing with, uh, including global Jewish anti-Semitism, tuition affordability, the role of women in orthodoxy, and a variety of other things. So like there's no question that the, the list and the lineup of speakers is unbelievable. I mean, even just starting, obviously, with Rabbi Trump, but also Rabbi Herschel Schechter, Rabbi Ephraim Mervis, Rabbi Daniel Oppenheimer, um, as I said, our guest last week, uh, Honorable Norman L. Eisen, Rabbi Elephant, Richard Joel, Malcolm Holine, and the list goes on and on and on. It must, I can't imagine it was a hard sell to these people to get them to agree to come. Now, the program and the concept of the OU convention probably sold itself. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think that we are now in the final stages of, um, 
recruitment for convention. We still have a few spots open, and we are making an exclusive offer to the listeners of the Jewish Reaction Show that if they would still like to come to convention, uh, if we know some people listen to the show live and some people listen to it when it's recorded, but if by the end of Wednesday night they want a Hanukkah present, we're giving 20% off convention if they use the code REACTION. R-E-A-C-T-I-O-N, all in lowercase, uh, in the coupon code that's found on the convention registration page. That is awesome. So if you're interested, of course, you can go to OU.org slash convention. The OU 2014 convention is scheduled for the weekend, uh, December 26th to the 28th. It's at the Doubletown, uh, the Doubletree Tarrytown in Tarrytown, New York. And again, that was coupon code REACTION, um, of course, to get your 20% discount by... Uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Rabbi Trump, let's talk a little bit about your role at the convention and what you plan to accomplish and or share uh, with uh, those who are lucky enough to, to be attending. Okay, so there's a, there is a, the general theme um, of the Shabbaton is the Jewish unity around the world. So of course, addressing many of the issues, many of the contemporary issues that we are struggling with as a community at large. Um, the two particular issues that I, I'm hoping to address are the following. I'd first like to address the notion of identity. And something, unfortunately, which we're seeing is a, um, a commonly slipping issue, uh, certainly with the Pew study. And, of course, there's many interpretations of what the Pew study actually displays. But in terms of Jewish identity, and the Jewish identity not only as individuals but as community. And what that means, and certainly in a diaspora community like we are living in, in America right now, so what does it mean to say what really identifies us, what really unites us, certainly when there's so many issues, there's so many things which actually divide us, what are those elements which um, actually unite us? This is more of a theoretical and also Torah-related idea, which does have very practical applications. The second topic is going to be actually more of a practical issue, and I think something which um, relates to um, perhaps every, um, everybody, every household, families, relationships, and that's the topic of alone together. This was actually after a discussion I had with Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, um, and we're talking about relationships and relationships in the 21st century with the advent of technology and how that impacts the relationships that are up to now in a particular way within a particular tone. So this topic is, a, is going to be called Alone Together, addressing how relationships have actually changed and how perhaps the changes are in some way there are positive elements to it, but some of the detractions that it's worthwhile being aware of, certainly from the Torah perspective, to try to understand what is deficient in the way that this is developing. This is not just anecdotal, it's also research-based. You can be learning and uh, working with some of the work of Sherry Turco, one of the experts in the field, and using that as a diving board into Torah's thought as to why and what perhaps we should be doing in order to engage this. So I, I do want to go back to, to this, the first point that you spoke about in terms of uh, the Jewish identity. Uh, do you find that, is this something, and I guess maybe you're the perfect person to ask, is this something that is a global Judaism issue, a global Orthodox Judaism issue, meaning that the same issues that we're talking about here that we know we're facing here in New York or even in America, the same as people are facing in Israel or South Africa or Australia or anywhere else where there are Jewish communities? Now, certainly there are differences in every country, and there are many experts, um, many experts beyond myself who have, who have uh, that kind of opinion 
understandings which are far more reaching than I have. But from my perspective and from the research that I have done, um, there are a lot of commonalities in terms of identity, but in terms of the way it expresses itself, it is a little different. So, for instance, in, uh, in South Africa, just where I grew up in, um, you will have a community which is very much more homogeneous, or as we say in South Africa, homogenous. And um, that, that means to say that the white population within South Africa is a much more smaller amount of people, and there's, there's much less of a assimilation uh, issue, there's less conservative Judaism, there's, there's less reform. At the same time, you still have the identity issues that you're having over here, and you will see that there's many of the same risk issues that you're going to have with teenagers, with, with early teenagers even, that are expressing themselves in a Western developing society. So there are a lot that can be learned, although the applications might be different just because of the culture and the context.
Mom is humbled how this niggin Baruch Hashem took flight a couple of years ago and people sing it everywhere. To me, it's not about how many CDs you sell, how many concerts you make. It's about when someone tells me that on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur they use your nigunim or by a kumzitz they use your nigun. Because that's what Jewish music is all about, closeness to Hashem. So if you know this following nigun, please sing along with me.
Listening to the Jewish Reaction presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union, right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Eli Hagler, I'm the Associate Director of Yachad, and we're talking about the upcoming OU convention scheduled for December 26th to the 28th. Uh, my guests are Rabbi Yaakov Trump, who's the Assistant Rabbi at the Young Israel of Lawrence Cedarhurst, and Rabbi Judah Isaacs, the Director of Community Engagement 
at the OU who has announced right here uh, that if you register at OU.org slash convention, uh, you can receive a 20% off, off uh, a coupon for 20% off for the listeners of the Jewish Reaction with the coupon code REACTION. Um, Rabbi Isaacs, as somebody who deals with the community at large, particularly in North America, and speaking to and working with all of the shuls, what is the reaction that you're hearing from shul rabbis and shul presidents about the lack of or the hope for more of a stronger Jewish identity in the people on the ground, the people in the community? I think that it's an issue that uh, a lot of communities are facing. Um, I think that it manifests itself in many different ways. I think Rabbi Trump identified a little bit some of those issues. But I think that, you know, and we're going to be dealing on Sunday also with the issue of spirituality for our children. I think it manifests itself in how people feel spiritually. It also manifests itself in how people identify within a congregation, people wanting to be in smaller kinds of congregations, not as much in some of the mainstream congregations. Um, and we're seeing it in ways that teenagers in high school through NCSY, through a variety of programs that we run in JLIC and the college campuses, um, use and try to figure out how they fit in within this global network of Judaism, both within Orthodoxy and as a Jew themselves. I'll tell you, it's interesting that, I mean, Trump had mentioned uh, specifically in terms of South Africa, that it tends to be that in South Africa there's a much more of a uh, homogeneous or homogeneous Orthodox community in South Africa. But take a city like uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. I don't know if either of you have been. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio has a relatively small Orthodox community, but actually has a huge uh, reform community because it's the home of reform Judaism. So with the, and I guess I will ask her by Trump first, but in a place like Cincinnati, and if you've been or not, I don't think really plays a factor, but is the Jewish identity or the Orthodox Jewish identity more at risk in Cincinnati than let's say in the five towns or in Teaneck or in Yerushalayim? Um, not having spent too much time in Cincinnati, Ohio, um, so not not uh, not being familiar with the particular terrain, but conceptually, um, it's, it's generally you have a similar you have similar ideas where you have isolated cities where perhaps the Orthodox Judaism or Orthodox Jews are more isolated. In some instances, it actually proves to be more helpful in terms of solidifying identity because there's adversity, whether it be from other denominations or whether it just simply being from the fact that you're much more interacting with those people around you. Whereas in the five towns or perhaps a, a very thriving, a, a thriving Orthodox community where you barely get a chance to meet anybody outside of your fold, there's perhaps less of a opportunity to have to think about engagement, to have to think about what you represent. Sometimes that's healthy, not necessarily a, uh, the, not necessarily a choice that one needs to uh, make actively to actually go live there for that particular reason. But sometimes that actually is a helpful factor in defining identity. However, the flip side of that is, is that when you don't have enough education or when you don't have enough input into what that identity is, when the engagement happens, then there's more likely, there's more of a higher likelihood of there going to be some form of assimilation or integration. Rabbi Isaacs? And I would say that, I, you know, I think that it manifests itself in a variety of ways also on campus in terms of Israel activism as well. Um, that idea of understanding who you are as a Jew is important when you then go out in that greater community. So there is 
there are benefits in smaller communities. And as Rabbi Trump said, I think that some of the challenges are out there because you really have to know who you are, and that identity plays a key role in that. So I think it's a, it's a very interesting point. Now moving on to Rabbi Trump's uh, second point of topic, the uh, topic that you're calling alone together. Is alone together, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rabbi, um, it, it's trying to figure out the balance between um, being a Jew and living in the same world that we do and the advancements in technology. Is that the connection? Actually, it's, more, it's actually more global in the sense that this is actually, actually applicable to um, all human beings as to what a relationship means within the context of technology. How, in the last 30 years, Pastor Linus, which has been the real there's been a lot of, certainly in the communication, um, in the communication sector, there's been a lot of change. And how we are actually relating to each other differently, globally as humans, and perhaps what, and the, what happens when, when we go down that path. And the, what we're seeing now, after we've had now a few years to do the necessary research, to see part of the problem, part of some of the issues which are being presented by the new technology and the way they affect relationships. Then, the mode, then what we're going to try to do is use the Torah as a perspective of trying to understand how relationships are supposed to mean or what they're supposed to mean and come back and get a sense of trying to repair some of the damage which has been caused. So I think it's a very interesting point. You see, you focus in the last 30 years. Um, you know, it's fun. To, actually, this past Shabbos, friends and I were talking about it over Shabbos lunch, how the technological gap between me and my parents is going to be smaller than the gap between me and my two-week-old son. I mean, the, the gap there, like in five years from now, why wouldn't my three-year-old daughter have some kind of laptop implanted in her arm that she can take care of whatever it is that she needs, all without ever picking up the phone? You know, we all joke about it now, but my grandparents will say, well, why don't you call so-and-so to take care of something? And my response is, I'll just text them. So there's no point, there's no need to have a conversation to the point where I'll tell you a few weeks ago we held a, uh, on this show, we held a roundtable discussion talking about uh, the singles situation. And we had representatives from the OU and from YU Connects, from Soyu at Sinai and from JDate. And we were talking about the lack of communication in the dating world. If people could just ask somebody out and or break up with somebody in a text message or in a Facebook chat, and that tends to be the trend that's happening, and that seems to be not exactly the best thing. Rabbi Trump, what, what do you think of that? Correct. Well, there's, and what, what, one, of the, one of the trajectories seems to be is that communication is becoming more centered around outcomes, which means to say what a text message is offering a person is that in 160 characters, they're able to express exactly what they want and send it without having to actually engage in any form of niceties conversation because they can send directly what they'd like when they want it. And similarly, in other forms of technological communication, what that does is, in a certain sense, is that it drives a relationship which is centered towards what one needs immediately. So that's one element that we're seeing over here, which is why there's been a certain breakdown in social, in, um, in the social, social norms. Another thing also to consider, and although this is not something which we, is on the forefront of our horizon, but it's something rising and looming, is what's called the robotic moment, which is the entry of, um, of robots into our lives, not just as, um, not just as um, commonplace, helpful um, household items, but perhaps kind of taking a bigger share in terms of health and even perhaps relationships, as they're really being used with care for the elderly already, actually on a consumer basis already. And this is something we're going to be seeing more, 
And um, unfortunately, there's actually been a rise in willingness among humans to engage in that. And the question is, is why and perhaps, perhaps what, that, what we can do about that, how what the problem with that is. But this is something that we unfortunately will be seeing, fortunately for some, but um, this is going to be a reality in the next, uh, in the next few decades. Rabbi Isaacs? No, I think that, that I'm, as I'm listening to this, I hope people are coming to convention because I think uh, <laughs> Rabbi Trump will definitely engage you. <laughs> um, I, there's no question that the concept itself is a very interesting one because, like I said, I think the generational technological gap is so vast, you know, and it's only going to get bigger and bigger over the next few years. You know, there was an article a few weeks ago, I think it was in Time Magazine, how Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO uh, of Facebook, is not happy with the fact that only half of the world's population is on Facebook. He wants it to be bigger, and he wants everybody on the planet to have access to Facebook, even if they are struggling to have lunch. But his goal is that everybody needs Internet access for a number of different things, and I'm sure there are arguments both positive and negative, and I think it's a very interesting, you know, ongoing conversation that's going to be coming up at the OU convention uh, scheduled for the end of this month. That's December 26th. To the 28th, you can go to ou.org slash convention uh, for more information and to sign up. Uh, when you get to the website, I would tell you to just to click on speakers and click on schedule. And just going through the list of the who's who of who's going to be there and the schedule of the program that Rabbi Isaac and his team has put together, uh, I think is truly remarkable. Uh, and again, like we spoke about earlier, when you're, when you're registering, if you use coupon code REACTION, as in this show, the Jewish Reaction, uh, that entitles you to a 20% off as long as it's used by... Uh, Wednesday night. Um, Rabbi Isaacs, what, what else can we expect to hear and see um, at, at the upcoming OU convention? Well, I think it's a unique opportunity. The uh, current chief rabbi of the of the Commonwealth of the United Kingdom, Rabbi Mervis, who took over Rabbi Sachs, who really has not has much exposure here in America, will be at convention. Um, we also have the opportunity to hear from Rabbi Daniel Oppenheimer, who's the chief Ashkenazic rabbi from Argentina. And we don't often think about South America and some of the challenges and some of the opportunities that exist there. So I think that that will present a unique opportunity. Uh, we have professionals. You heard from Norman Eisen last week, who was the ambassador of Czechoslovakia, Malcolm Holmline, Richard Stone, are going to talk really on the ground where things are right now. And part of that global community that Rabbi Trump spoke about, uh, the truth is that that global community, um, we're more connected now thanks to the Internet, and we know what's going on instantaneous. Um, so, But there are deeper things that we don't necessarily have the knowledge about that there's an opportunity to do. And the other thing is that we have Jews, thank God, coming Orthodox Jews from around the country, and it's really an opportunity to hear what's going on around the country. And informal conversations, I think, are just as important, in addition to all the Torah study that we spoke about earlier. So, Rabbi Trump, I actually have the same question for you. As somebody, a quote-unquote outsider, not technically an employee of the OU, um, but somebody who's coming to the OU convention as a speaker and a presenter, what is it that you're looking forward to um, at the convention, and aside from uh, the number of sessions that you're giving? Well, you know, this is, I mean, this is an opportunity that, uh, that I would uh, I'd be excited to be at, independent of being there on a, uh, on a lecturing um, capacity. And people would say to me, oh, they'll come over to me and give a pat on the back and say, oh, I hear there's a keynote speaker. So I would say to them, yes, the problem is, is that I'm going to be speaking during the same time as the <laughs> keynote speaker. So, there's like uh, eight keynote speakers so, at this conference. Exactly, exactly. There's such a wealth of, there's such a wealth of leaders. And um, really, I'm, I, uh, I myself view myself as part of the audience in that respect. 
um, in terms of being able to not just to actually hear from um, these leaders, these people who have wealth and years of experience, but an opportunity to actually have a conversation with them, to be able to meet other people who are coming to the convention, who have obviously taken our time, have specifically set this aside because they're interested in addressing issues, in addressing community. There's a self-selected group of people who are going to be at this conference who really are interested in engaging, in thinking about the future, in thinking about making the community a better place. And it's going to be a pleasure for me to have the opportunity to meet such people because these are the people who I'm going to hopefully meet in the coming few years in the field, making a difference, whether it means on the ground or in the leadership, on every level. That's a, that is a opportunity I would not want to miss. So one last question that I had that I've seen to, that seems to be coming up a lot uh, more often, and I know the OU has taken a big stance in this, is the ability, affordability, and willingness of people to move outside of the New York area. Um, how does something like that fit in uh, with the topics that you spoke about? I know we mentioned a little bit about Cincinnati, but in terms of a Jewish identity and alone together, is there room for people to move to these quote-unquote smaller out-of-town communities and still be able to find themselves and to keep that alone together and try to figure out how that balance works? Well, I'll tell you, I have a friend who I still have trust in who used to tell me that when, when he gets married, He's going to take a group of pioneers and settle in a city which has no no infrastructure and start from the ground. And uh, I'm still waiting for him. <laughs> and I'd, love, I'd, love to, I'd love to follow him. And he's married and he's still down with three kids and he's living in Baltimore right now. Um, but um, but I think that's the attitude that a lot of us have is that we are we, we'd love to we'd love to see it happen again and just after it happens. And um, it's it's very hard to be the pioneer. But having said that. We really had the opportunity of um, of learning of living two years in Chicago, and um, I know that to to uh, those on the eastern starboard living in New York, that really sounds like you know out in the jungle, you know, out in the Midwest. But you have to realize when you go out and you go to these communities, Chicago is a rather large community in that respect. But there is an incredible infrastructure out there, and the the the, the style of life, the convenience of life is very different as opposed to. In New York, where everybody is uh, driving, spends most of their life driving to get to places, there is an inconvenience as a community. It's much more close-knit. Everything is close by. There's a, there's a certain sense of more calmness out there. There's an incredible amount of positivity which can be gained from settling in a, a vibrant yet small community, which, um, which there are many of still and many are growing um, out in the West. Um, or further south in America as well. There are many, many opportunities for that. And I think it just requires, it requires a certain sense of courage, but also a certain sense of mission, because um, unfortunately it's becoming harder and harder to afford living in the centers. And what that is going to cause is going to make young people, and I've had a conversation with many young people who, who think, well, if it's not working here, then why, why are we doing this? Why are we killing ourselves not to be able to afford anything? And still, and still not come out with anything. And there's an opportunity to grow. And you see some of these communities. There's a very vibrant young community in Chicago. There's very vibrant communities in these outtown communities as they grow, as people take the courage to start settling down. And Rabbi Isaacs, in terms of these out-of-town communities, I mean, you deal with them all the time, and you run, you know, the OU runs what I think is the largest, uh, what do we call it, the, the community Pretty fair, fair in terms of getting these smaller out-of-town communities to come to New York and for right. lack of a better word, recruit, right. recruit people. Hey, life is not so bad here. You know, right. in Houston, you can get a huge house and you're not spending a million dollars. You right. can live a nice style life and you always have good weather. You don't sit in traffic and all these things that 
we're all just so used to and we're afraid to move, right. but you deal with them all the time. Right, and I think, you know, it's, it is, as you know, was said, it's sort of a leap of faith, but we do find that um, there are communities that people have discovered, and once a few couples move in, a few more move in, and uh, it does snowball, but, you know, it is, it is a challenge. I was in a community last night that's having challenges, meaning it has an older demographic trying to get younger people to move in, um, and I think it's a part of the challenge is finding the initial families. Once a few initial families move in, uh, the trend starts to change a little bit. So, look, I guess we'll, we'll continue to see how the trends are changing, but it's certainly an interesting uh, conversation. Rabbi Trump, I want to take the time and thank you uh, for joining us right here on the Jewish Reaction. Um, of course, again, one last push. You can sign up to hear uh, Rabbi Trump or Rabbi Isaacs and a number of other distinguished speakers at the upcoming OU convention scheduled for December 26th to the 28th. You can go to ou.org slash convention. Uh, to register, and of course, by Wednesday night, make sure to use coupon code REACTION, as in the Jewish reaction, for a 20% discount. Rabbi Trump, thank you so much for joining us, and best of luck with the up- upcoming OU convention. Thank you so much, Ali. Have a wonderful day. i
שרת, שמחה חילקת, שלי שלך נהגת, שישה מיליון ביכית, כאב כולם נסעת, אוי איך הלכת. עכשיו שהגעת לעולם שם למעלה
Jewish Reaction right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Eli Hagler. I'm the Associate Director of Yachan. I want to thank my guests, Rabbi Yaakov Trump, uh, Trump the Assistant Rabbi at the Young Israel of Lawrence Cedars, and Rabbi Jude, Judah Isaacs, the Director of the Community Engagement Department at the OU. Um, Rabbi Isaacs, anything else before one last push for the upcoming convention? No, we really hope to see all of your listeners there. It really promises to be an incredible weekend. Give yourself a Hanukkah present. Come and join us. There you go. OU.org slash convention, December 26th to the 28th, the Doubletree in Tarrytown, New York. Make sure to register OU.org slash convention with coupon code REACTION for a 20% discount. I want to thank everybody for listening. Right here on the OU Presents the Jewish Reaction on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegel.com. Siegel.com.